Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we're going to give you the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. In segment three, we're going to talk about the decline of Tiger Woods on the golf course and how it's affecting the PGA Tour, the TV networks, sponsors. This has a ripple effect over many, many industries, and we're going to break that down for you, give you some really interesting numbers in segment three. In segment four, my guest is going to be Rich Cho. He's the new GM of the Portland Trailblazers. Fascinating guy, one of the most diverse, interesting backgrounds of anyone that we've ever had on this show. He's getting his first crack at being a general manager in the NBA. We'll get to know Rich Cho, the new GM of the Portland Trailblazers. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. You can go to facebook.com backslash sportsbusinessradio. Or I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. We're going to be launching our new website hopefully in the next week or two. It's going to be much more user friendly. We'll have some other voices on there in addition to mine uh, on the blog. So it'll be really good. Griggs, glad to have you back. You know, I watched Hard Knocks on HBO, New York Jets. Really interesting. I've been a fan of that show. And now that you've got this whole Darrell Revis thing and the contract negotiations and the holdout, it's added like a whole new element to that series. It really has. And, you know, the Jets, I don't, they're going to have an interesting vibe this year. Signing a bunch of quarterbacks, lining up, stacking up the. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Rex Ryan is their coach. LT, uh, Santonio Holmes. It's interesting TV, that's for sure. All right, Sports Business Radio Headlines, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one. This past Thursday, the NBA players and the NBA owners got together to talk about a new collective bargaining agreement. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Joe Johnson, some of the big stars of the NBA showed up to this session, which Griggs was very impressive. It showed that they've got interest in this. They're taking this very seriously. I think it helped the tone of the negotiations. One interesting person who was absent, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's on the owner's committee for negotiating a new collective bargaining agreement. He wasn't there because LeBron was there. Now, he said a last-minute personal family thing came up. But imagine being in that meeting. That would have made it pretty awkward. LeBron and Dan Gilbert sitting across the table from each other. I want that YouTube video of that happened because the look, you can just picture LeBron looking at him. Like, don't look at me. Don't say anything to me. I don't want to talk to you right now at all, ever. There would have been a lot of tension in that room. There was probably already some tension in that room, but that would have added to it. Now, the collective bargaining agreement expires June 30th, 2011. The two sides had not met since the All-Star game in February. They exchanged proposals. Some proposals have been rejected. Nothing got done this week, but there was some good progress. Players like Carmelo Anthony left there saying it was a great conversation, great dialogue going back and forth. The communication was great. Hopefully we can come to an agreement soon. So the tenor seems to be better. Now, the main issues, first of all, how much money are the owners making or how much money are they losing? David Stern says the league lost $380 million last year. Billy Hunter doesn't agree with that number. Um, Then the other thing you've got is right now the players get 57% of what's called the BRI, basketball-related income. And the owners want to drop that below 50%. So that's a big, big number. The owners are saying we have more expenses now. Gas is more expensive for our private planes. Hotel costs have gone up. Blah, 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 blah. Lots of things to argue about. We will see if they can avoid a work stoppage. They've got again till June 30th, 2011 to get something done. Our next headline, this was a funny story this week. And it actually broke about a week ago, but we didn't have a chance to talk about it last week. Isaiah Thomas, James Dolan, who quickly is becoming, if not the worst owner in professional sports, he's in the top three. I'd put him in there with Donald Sterling and with Al Davis. But... This guy wanted to bring back Isaiah Thomas, who orchestrated one of the darkest periods in the Knicks history, was involved in a sexual harassment uh, trial that cost the Knicks lots of money, was very embarrassing and humiliating to their organization, and he wants to bring Isaiah back as a consultant. Well, the NBA ruled this week that cannot happen. Good for David Stern. It's an obvious conflict. You've got a guy who's coaching a college team, but he's consulting to an NBA team. It just doesn't make any sense. But the thing that really doesn't make sense is why James Dolan would want to bring Isaiah back in the first place. Does Isaiah have, like, dirty pictures or something? It's crazy. I mean, it's like when you hire somebody you don't know much about, sure. But bringing him back, the fungus he already was in that organization, bringing somebody back you know has that baggage and has that, you know, the possibility of screwing something up, why bring him back? 
It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Donnie Walsh, who heads up basketball operations for the Knicks, was reportedly livid about this and, you know, had no problem expressing that to owner James Dolan. That also played a part in this. We'll see what happens. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if down the road he is back as the GM and he quits FIU and is the GM of the Knicks again. It makes no sense at all. Our next headline, we've seen a lot of turmoil in college sports in the last few months. The NCAA has slapped USC with probation. They're investigating Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina for improper agent contact involving players. Well, this week, Alabama's Nick Saban, Florida's uh, Urban Meyer, Ohio State's Jim Trestle, and several other coaches participated in a call with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell to try and address the problems with unscrupulous agents that have led to these investigations. Griggs, I don't know. I mean, this is a good step in the right direction. First of all, I think Nick Saban's a hypocrite. He, <laughs> This guy, I won't even get started that he's the guy leading this charge. But, you know... We'll see if this makes any difference. I think this is such a big problem. I don't know how you solve it, but I guess with the big schools, if they're leading the way, uh, maybe that helps. Yeah, I mean, it's just like kind of a, a chip in the ice. You know, it seems like it, you got this whole pond full of just disaster. Here's the little chip that's starting it. I think it'll help a little, but I mean, you could dig into any school. I mean, I think every school's got some issue with something with recruiting or something. I mean, you could just start and just go down the line. No, I would agree. So we'll see. I mean, maybe they set some rules in place. One of the things they could do is, you know, not have all these agents and stars and all that kind of stuff standing on the sidelines, going into the locker rooms. If they clamp down on security a little bit more, access to players, that might be a good start. Our next headline, the NFL is already in full swing and we're just in the preseason. NBC earned a 6.8 final Nielsen rating. 11.4 million people tuned in, Griggs, to watch the Cowboys-Bengals Pro Football Hall of Fame game. That's a preseason game. We talk all the time about how the NFL, their TV numbers are staggering when you compare them to the NBA Finals, to the World Series. I mean, this is a preseason game. They're getting 11.4 million viewers. I think there's so much hype for football, and I watch the game too, part of it, and it, you just can't wait to watch football. You know, and you, preseason, who cares? It's a football game. They're replaying college games from like five years ago on FSN. <laughs> I'm watching them because it's like I can't wait to watch football, you know? Yeah, football is definitely king. We'll give you some numbers in our next segment about golf. And when you see the comparison between golf, even the majors, to football for a preseason game, it's really staggering. Our next headline, Major League Baseball's Ownership and Executive Committee this week unanimously approved Chuck Greenberg's pending purchase of the Rangers. $593 million is the price. Obviously, Nolan Ryan is on board with that team. This is good for baseball. It's consistency. I would have liked to have seen Mark Cuban get a shot at this, but I think... Nolan Ryan's done a great job turning the Rangers around. They're probably going to go to the playoffs for consistency purposes and the smoothest transition. You know, these guys are already in place. Plus, Major League Baseball really wanted Greenberg and Nolan Ryan to own a team. Yeah, and I think, you know, anybody that knows baseball, Nolan Ryan, what a huge name and a talent. You know, it's, it's good for baseball because people know who he is. People that have watched the game forever know who he is, you know, and I think that helps keep the, uh, you know, the people coming back. Speaking of ownership situations, our last headline of the week, keep your eyes on this. Detroit Tigers and Detroit Red Wings owner Mike Illich. He is like the king of Detroit. 
He is talking about buying the Detroit Pistons. So then he'd own the Pistons, the Tigers, and the Red Wings. He would also get the Palace of Auburn Hills. And what he would probably do is run that for a little while, then build an arena downtown. If you think about it, if he has that arena downtown, he could put his NHL team and his NBA team in there, fill up those dates. Uh, It makes a lot of sense for him to be the guy instead of competing against whoever would buy the Pistons and have those games at the Palace. So we'll keep our eyes on that situation. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to discuss the decline of Tiger Woods on the golf course. We've talked about his personal life ad nauseum, but he's not doing well on the golf course. A career worst score last week. How is that expect? How is that affecting the PGA Tour, the sponsors? It's a ripple effect. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. Well, we want to spend the next few minutes talking about the state of the PGA Tour. And Griggs, for the last several years, even before Tiger Woods' scandal hit, we talked about how there's no more important athlete to his sport than Tiger Woods is to golf. Not Michael Jordan to basketball when he was in his heyday, not LeBron James today, not Peyton Manning or uh, Tom Brady in football. Tiger Woods has made the golf world go, especially From a financial perspective, when he's in the mix, the casual fan is tuning in. TV ratings are good. Attendance at the events, good. Uh, Sponsorships at events, good. Well, here's the problem. Obviously, he had the embarrassing scandal that hit him and became public last November. But now, Griggs, we're really starting to see that Tiger Woods is not himself on the golf course. And it was never more evident than last weekend in the Bridgestone Invitational at Firestone. How's that for a sponsor conflict? Bridgestone at Firestone, competing. 18 over par. It was the first time I've ever watched Tiger Woods, and he looked like he was just disinterested. He just wanted to get off the golf course. And unlike most tournaments... If you don't make the cut on Friday, you don't have to play Saturday and Sunday. You're spared the embarrassment. You get off the court, you go to the the next spot. Not in this tournament. 
You play all four rounds, there's no cut. So it was like torture for him to continue to stay on this course. 18 over, had, I think, 22 bogeys in his round. Usually, Tiger is just a picture of focus. And he was anything but last week. This weekend, he's playing better. Um, I want to give you some numbers, though, because these numbers are so important to golf, to PGA Commissioner Tim Fincham, to the networks that cover golf, to the sponsors who pay so much money to be associated with the tour, because they're important numbers. Last weekend, CBS got a 2.3 rating for the final round of the WGC Bridgestone Invitational. That was down 51%. That's a big number from the year before. Now, here's the more concerning stat, Griggs. Viewership for Sunday final round coverage this year is down 16%. So we've gone from an average of 4.3 million viewers watching Sunday coverage of PJ events to 3.6. That's about 700,000 viewers less than last year. Tiger is not even competitive, so he's not in the mix on Sunday, which means people are not turning on their TV on Sunday, which is usually the biggest day because you want to see, all right, who's going to win the tournament? This is alarming for the PGA, for the networks, and, you know, I think golf has got some problems. The problem, the main problem is... You know, you've got Phil Mickelson, you've got Ernie Els, you've got some other bright stars, Bubba Watson, but they have so, they're, all their eggs are in the Tiger Woods basket. If Tiger continues his decline, I don't know that the PGA has a plan B. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, the Tiger holds that much power, you know, that controls everybody watching the game. I mean, when I, when I watch golf too, it's, it's just something you can't even really choose to. You have to, you tune in to watch Tiger. I mean, it's just the way you watch golf, and I think everybody watches golf that way. Yeah, I mean, your grandma knows who Tiger Woods is. The casual fan doesn't know who Bubba Watson is, doesn't know who Graham McDowell is. I mean, when you've got Louis Oosthuizen and Graham McDowell winning majors, that's why the British Open numbers were down 46% this year from last year. Yes, it was on ESPN for the first time, final round coverage, but 46%, again, that's a big number. And you go back to last segment when we told you in headlines that the first preseason game of the year in the NFL, meaningless game, starters play a quarter, got 11.4 million viewers. It really shows you the power of the NFL, but it shows you how the numbers have declined with the PGA. Now, here's something else to be alarmed about if you're Tim Fincham. You've got this FedEx Cup, which they instituted a few years ago. And it's meant to keep viewers tuned in to the end of the season. It's meant to get the big names out on the golf course, not ducking the tournaments and taking the rest of the year off. There's a $10 million bonus. A lot of money to the winner. Tiger Woods going into this weekend is at 119th place in the FedEx Cup standings. He won't even qualify for the last leg of the year in these tournaments. And again, it goes back to what we were just saying. If Tiger's not playing, and furthermore, if he's not in contention on Sunday, people aren't watching. Again, bad news for golf, really bad news for FedEx. Yeah, it's like it's just like the domino effect, you know? Tiger goes down slowly, everybody else kind of falls with it. And... Uh, it's sad because, you know, I mean, golf's a great sport to play, great sport to watch. 
And without Tiger, it just seems like it's dying. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, some TV numbers. When Tiger came back this year at the Masters, 10.7 rating, 16.6 million viewers. That's a huge number. But since then, really the numbers have not been very good. 5.8 for the U.S. Open. There were a lot of guys in the mix there. Mickelson was in the mix. Ernie Els was in the mix. Some of these other guys need to step up and get in the mix. Because if the big names don't get in the mix, and you've got Louis Oosthuizen and Graham McDowell, good golfers, but not recognizable names to the casual fan, I don't know what the PGA Tour is going to do. Now, the other side of this story, like we said, is the TV deal for the PGA is coming up in two years. These numbers are declining by the month. Not that Tiger can't turn things around, that he won't turn things around next year, but again, when I go to the bargaining table, if I'm Tim Finchin and I'm asking for a rights fee deal and I want a lot of money, if I'm a network executive, I bring the ratings and say, look, the ratings for PGA Golf on TV going down and down and down, we're only going to pay this. I mean, there could be a big difference in what is paid for the next TV contract in golf and what was paid previously. Plus, you could get kind of, uh, you know, the the viewer could get kind of screwed on that because it could be less, you know, thrown at different times of the night on a smaller network, something like that. It could come down to, you know, people not being able to see it as much either. Now, the Hollywood Reporter reports that the Golf Channel, obviously the Golf Channel, it's all about golf. Tiger Woods, big part of that because he is the face of golf. They're losing as much as 20% of their revenues is compared to last year. So Golf Channel taking a big hit from this. Like we said, FedEx probably going to take a big hit from this. Tournaments, the attendance isn't as good. The gate numbers aren't as good. This is a big, big problem for the PGA. And, you know, again, I don't know what the solution is. Unless Phil Mickelson steps up, unless Ernie Els and some of these other recognizable players step up and consistently win tournaments. And even then, you know, I don't know. This is what I ask all the time, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, Brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. And I'll just speak for myself, but, you know, if it's Sunday and Tiger's not in the mix, I'm probably not turning on the TV. I'm going about my business and hanging out with my daughter for the day, doing something else. I'm not sitting down. I'm not captivated to watch the last round of a tournament unless Tiger's in the mix, especially with a major, because Tiger is chasing Jack Nicholas. He has 14 majors. Jack has 18. You know, Tiger's 35 years old now. He hasn't won a tournament this year, much less a major. So, you know, it's interesting he's chasing history. That's why I think a lot of people sit down to watch him. But now, you're just wondering, is this guy going to win a tournament? I mean, Griggs, did you ever think you would say, is Tiger just going to win an event this year? The guy was 18 over last week, and he's playing better this week. But I never thought that Tiger would be 18 over in a tournament. Yeah, I agree, and I'm like you. I mean, if it, if he's not in the running in the final on Sunday, I'm not watching it. I'm checking the phone, seeing who's winning, but I'm not going to sit down and watch the game and the, how how it's going to end. And you know, I it's it's like you're saying he was just so magical, and the finishes we've seen him have in the Masters, those big shots, crowd going crazy, he pumping the fist. That's what keeps the viewer coming back. And when that's not there, you make a good point. He's got charisma. There's dramatic shots. People remember these. They turn him into commercials. Nike turns him into commercials. 
We've talked about the impact for the PGA Tour, for the sponsors, for the organizers of the tournaments. But what does this mean to Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods has lost a reported 30 to $40 million in endorsements since last November when his embarrassing scandal became public. Gillette, Accenture, AT&T, many sponsors have dropped off. The one thing that everyone said, though, is if Tiger can get back to being Tiger Woods on the golf course, just like with Kobe Bryant and his scandal before, people will forget about his off-the-course problems. The problem for Tiger is he hasn't been able to get back to that Tiger Woods that we all knew and admired on the golf course, the guy that captivated us, the guy that made us want to sit down and watch him on TV. The sponsors aren't probably going to be coming back to him anytime soon, and you may even see some sponsors like a Nike go to him and say, Tiger, look, we want to renegotiate our deal with you because we're not using you as much as we were. And furthermore, your performance on the golf course isn't equating to what we're paying you. On the other side of it, too, I can see some of those big ones like the at and saying, hey, if you come back around, we're ready to take you again. I can see, I don't know if they said that, but I could see them almost saying, hey, we're ready. We love you because, I mean, the revenue they get from Tiger is unbelievable. So you got to think they're kind of waiting, waiting for the same thing we're waiting for. The interesting thing to watch there, Kobe Bryant, some people tried to come back to him. He said, look, you weren't with me during the tough times. I don't want anything to do with you. Would Tiger go back to those sponsors? I don't know. First thing he's got to do is perform better on the golf course. Then he can worry about getting some of his endorsement deals back. All right, coming up next, Portland Trailblazer GM Rich Cho. He's new to the Blazers, one of the brightest guys in the NBA. We'll catch up with him. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rich Cho. He's the new general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. He spent 12 seasons with the Thunder and the Sonics. Rich, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Oh, sure, anytime. Rich, you've got a really fascinating background. You've been an engineer at Boeing. You've got a law degree from Pepperdine. How did you first become interested in working in sports? You know, I I grew up playing a lot of sports. Um, Basketball, baseball, tennis, a little bit everything. And grew up playing and following sports. And 
and it was always my passion. And uh, when I was an engineer at Boeing, I liked it, but I didn't want to do it the rest of my life. So I did some research and, and found that a lot of uh, executives with teams and governing bodies like the NBA and NFL, as well as sports agents, have law degrees. So I quit my job at Boeing and, and went to law school. And that worked out very well for you. When you were with the Sonics organization, not only did you work on the basketball side of things, but you also helped out with sponsorships and you did some legal things. Seems like you wore a lot of different hats. Yeah, when I was uh, assistant GM at the Sonics, I was also VP of legal. So um, it was a lot of work, but it gave me a unique perspective into the uh, business organization. And I, I worked closely with the sponsorship group and and PR and CR and finance and and uh, uh, you know gave me a unique understanding and, and appreciation for for uh, what the business group does and, and uh, how they work and the synergy that's needed to uh, really function at, at, for an organization to function at a high level the synergy needed between the basketball group and the business group. How important is that? We hear GMs talk about that all the time and people saying, well, we're on the same page. How important is it for basketball and business operations in this day and age to be on the same page? You know, I think it's really important because um, for the organization to function at a high level, I, I think there needs to be synergy and you need to share the same vision. So if the business group is running one way, but the business, uh, the but the basketball groups want run in a different way. Uh, I don't think you can function at a high level. So I just think it's important that everyone's on the same page and, and uh, has the same vision. Rich, there's a lot of people that want to work in sports. You are truly one of the uh, most well-respected people in the NBA. You started as an intern, and you've worked your way all the way up to the top of the mountain as a general manager. Looking back, what were some of the things that you did that helped you go from intern to GM? Uh, you know, I, when I was an intern, um, I just tried to immerse myself into the organization and kind of do everything that I was asked to do. Um, you know, when you're an intern, you get asked to do a lot of different things and uh, a lot of grunt work. Uh, no job was beneath me and just try to help help out wherever I could, help everybody out. Um, also, at the same time, trying to learn things on the side, learning about the salary cap, the collective bargaining agreement, uh, scouting, uh, you know, working with uh, our scouts and our front office, and uh, just trying to pick the brain of everybody, too. Uh, I was really fortunate enough to work with, with some great people like Wally Walker and Rick Sund and uh, Nate McMillan, Dwayne Casey, and... And then, uh, and then in Oklahoma City with uh, Sam Presti and Troy Weaver, Rob Hennigan, Bill Branch, uh, Steve Rosenberry in Seattle also. And, and so uh, just, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with all those people and learn. And, um, you know, that's one way I, I was able to learn and, and work my way up. And um, i just real grateful for the opportunity. So you go from an intern, you learn, you soak up all the knowledge, you pick these people's brains, and then a few months ago or a month ago, you're on a plane flying to Finland to go meet with Trailblazers owner Paul Allen. What's running through your mind as you're on that plane going to Finland to interview for the GM job of the Blazers? 
You know, I was uh, really excited to to go there and meet Mr. Allen, and uh, I was just really appreciative of, of the opportunity and uh, just wanted to, you know, try to do my best. Uh, I had heard a lot about Mr. Allen and, and um, his commitment to winning, and after meeting him, uh, uh, you know, there was no question in my mind how much he wants to win, how much he loves the Blazers and uh, the city of Portland, and uh, I was just so excited, uh, you know, when he offered me the job. We're joined by Rich Cho. He's the new general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Rich, what would you say are your biggest strengths as a general manager? Uh, you know, I would say that uh, a couple different things. One is uh, my salary cap knowledge and collective bargaining agreement uh, knowledge are probably my strengths. And then uh, just kind of combining that with the basketball background that I've learned and um, uh, just kind of having a hybrid knowledge of, of both of them is one of my strengths. I think the other strength is just working with people. Uh, I think I'm a, a, a real good people person, um, and uh, I'm approachable. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, the guys here will like working with me. I'm, I'm very honest. Um, I'm... Uh, you know, I, I like to treat people like I, like I want to be treated, and uh, it's important to me that that uh, I get to know people on both a professional and personal level, and um, uh, I think that kind of resonates with people. And and um, I um, you know I, from everybody I've met here, both at the business group and on the basketball group, uh, I'm just really excited to work with everybody here. You hired two assistant GMs this week, Bill Branch, Steve Rosenberry. You inherited Chad Buchanan and Michael Bourne, who have had great success here in Portland. Maybe talk about your staff a little bit and the strengths of your staff. Well, I, I, w- one of the things that attracted me to the job was having Chad and Mike here. Uh, you know, I had seen them on the road a lot and talked to them uh, whenever I was on the road and saw them whether it was at a college game or a pro game or here at the uh, Rose Garden when I, when our, either our team came or I, I came to scout. And uh, I have uh, a great deal of respect for both Chad and Mike, um, both as um, scouts and as people. And so that's one of the things that really attracted me to the job. And then uh, br- I was able to bring in Bill Branch and Steve Rosenberry, who – I also have a great deal of respect for both uh, uh, professionally and personally, and I'm just really excited to have all four of them in, in my corner. Um, they all bring great strengths to the job, and um, uh, both professionally and personally, and I, I'm just really excited to have all four of them. Yeah, these guys have been really successful with discovering and evaluating talent. Maybe you can talk about how that's changed over the last 10 or 15 years. It used to be, you know, you identified talent within the league and maybe you had a, your eye on some guy that you had on another team. Obviously, the college ranks. Now you've got to scour the planet to find players and to identify the best talent. How is that part of the job changed in the last 10 to 15 years? Well, I think it's changed a lot. Um you know, the NBA has become such a global uh, brand and, and a global uh, organization 
that, uh, you know, you're getting guys from Africa and you're getting guys from South America and you're getting guys from Europe and, um, uh, you know, a couple guys here and there from Asia. So um, it's become really international and, uh, you know, every team out there is trying to gain an advantage. Um, so the more uh, firepower you can have and the more um, – Rocks you can crawl under and, and try to try to look at different players, uh, the better. We're joined by Rich Cho. He's the new general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. We've got a few minutes left. Rich, let's talk about your team, the Blazers. When you look at the Blazers roster, what do you see? Uh, I see I see a roster that's got a, a nice mix of, of young guys and veterans. Um, I see a lot of depth. Uh, you know, I, I see great size if, if we're healthy. Um, and, uh, you know, I see a great coach that uh, uh, is going to get the most out of its players. Um, and, and one thing that, that I always noticed when we played the Blazers when I was with uh, the Thunder or the Sonics is, is they play hard. And uh, it's a tough environment to play in here at the Rose Garden. And, and I'm just happy to uh, be on this side of it. I heard you say when you took the job, you don't think this roster is a championship roster. You think maybe they're one or two moves away. Do you still believe that after a month on the job? Yeah, I, I do, and, and uh, it's um, you know a couple players away, and and it's not just not necessarily going to be in one or two moves. It might it might be um, uh, a move here that helps us down the road uh, for another move, you know, maybe get an asset that I can use in another trade. Um, so one thing I know about trades is sometimes they happen fast, sometimes it takes a while. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a process. And, and uh, But I'm excited to be here and, uh, uh, and build a team going forward. Every GM has a list of qualities they like in a player. What qualities make up a rich show type of player? Well, one, I think they have to. One, they have to be good people. Uh, I'm a uh, a guy that believes in high character in my players, um, and uh, you know we might pass on players that might have a little better talent than other guys, but uh, their character and their backgrounds don't check out. So. Uh, for me, uh, character is a big part of it. Um, two, they have to be uh, competitive. Uh, I like guys that, that love to play and uh, will get after it on the court. So guys that are competitive, um, that makes a big difference to me. Um, a guy also has to show uh, consistency throughout his college career. Um, you know, it's important to me that a guy shows up uh, every night. And a guy also, ha a player has to also play both ends of the floor, um, offense and defense. So, you know, those are four things that are important to me. And uh, uh, I think, you know, with my staff, I'm, co I'm confident that we can find those types of players. And then obviously finances enter into the picture. In Oklahoma City, you and Sam Presti had one of the most fiscally responsible rosters. You had flexibility. I'm sure that's an important part of it all too, isn't it? Well, sure. Um, I think that, uh, you know, 
it's always important to to get good value for your players because when you get good value for players, then it, it affects your whole roster. So if you start overpaying or or you're getting into bad contracts, it affects how you can shape the team going forward. So whenever we make a trade, I'm going to have a short-term and long-term salary cap and luxury tax effect in mind. Last question for you. You're the first Asian-American GM in NBA history. That has to make you very, very proud. Talk about what that means to you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really honored to, to be the first Asian GM, and um, it, uh, but it's not something I really dwell on. Um, really honored and humbled to to, uh, uh, to to be the first Asian GM, but um, it's not something I dwell on or really think about. Um, I just want to you know work hard at, at what I do and, and uh, try and build the Trailblazers into a uh, championship team. You seem like a very humble guy, a guy who doesn't necessarily like the spotlight. Are you ready for a little bit more of the spotlight than you had as the assistant GM? Uh, you know, I, I'm not one that likes to uh, be in the spotlight, <laughs> uh, but I would rather um, give credit to, to my staff and, and the players and the coaches. Um, you know, the players are the ones that, that win the games, and um, coaches big, play a big part in it. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to ha- be relying heavily, heavily on my staff and um, – you know, I'll be the first one to deflect all that credit to them. Well, and I'm sure that's why you're going to be very popular with your staff and you'll have a long, successful career as a GM in the NBA. Rich Cho, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Sure, anytime. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody, you get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and New Jersey Nets owner Mikhail Prokhorov, the Russian billionaire who owns the team, confirmed this week that the team has sent a request to the NBA to change the team's name. In New York, Stefan Bondi noted that changing the team's nickname, uniform, city, it's a long process. I remember this when I worked for the Blazers. They were thinking about changing the logo. It requires 25 months advance notice. So if Prokhorov wanted to change the team's name, even maybe the city to Brooklyn, 
in time for the 2012-2013 season when the new Brooklyn Arena is expected to open. He's got to give notice by this October 1st. So, Griggs, it shows you there's a long process. The league wants approval of the new logo, the new colors. This isn't something where you say, you know, six months in advance or three months in advance, hey, let's change the team name and uh, we're all good. This is lots of advance notice, 25 months. That's crazy. I didn't realize there was that much time. I mean, I guess it takes a long time to <laughs> approve colors and logos. And, you know, especially, like I said, if, it, if there's a city change, too, then you got that whole uh, side of it, too, with different city regulations, rules, all that junk, too. So yeah, I, I can see why it would take a while. Well, when you think about how these teams are branded, not only in their own market, but league-wide, and, you know, you're literally changing websites and letterhead and everything else. So I guess 25 months sounds... Maybe not about right, but, you know, it's enough time for all of those things to get changed. All right, a lot of thank yous on the show this week. Really want to thank Rich Cho, the new general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. Really enjoyed our conversation. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. We're going to be launching our new website soon. Keep an eye on sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter, at SB Radio. If you want to be our Facebook friend, facebook.com backslash sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.